Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. But a prophet of the Lord named Oded was there. He just happened to be there, wherever there was, at the exact time this army came back. He was just there. Nothing ever happens in our life by accident. I want you to see this statement. There's another one coming. As a Christian, nothing just what happens. Believer, think back to a time when you were in sin. Did you have a difficult time fellowshipping with others or spending time in the Word? That's conviction. As you know, at that point, you can either repent or continue on in sin. If you continue on, be prepared for a slippery slope. As we'll see today, once you make a decision to move forward with your own fleshly wants, you may end up going much farther than the line you thought you drew. It's harder to recover when the consequences and the hurt become so much that you're buried in guilt and shame. If you're at the tipping point, make a choice to come back to God. He'll always have you. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 28, verse 1 for part one of our message entitled, Reopen and Repair. created by God to worship. We will worship something or somebody. We'll go back thousands of years ago when these people found that they didn't want to worship God, they just wanted to worship pagans. Chapter 28, verse 1. Now Ahaz was 20 years old when he became king And he reigned in Jerusalem 16 years. Unlike David, his father, he did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Turn with me to Acts chapter 4. We'll be right back to verse 2 in a moment. Ahaz succeeds his father, Jotham, and he reigns for 16 years in a very wicked fashion. Notice it says he didn't do what was right in the eyes of the Lord. He became a man-pleaser instead of a God-pleaser. We need tonight to be God-pleasers. As you've turned to Acts, let me just share another verse. You might, If you're taking notes, you can write it down. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9 says this, So we make it our goal to please Him whether we are at home in the body or away from it. So we need to be God-pleasers. In the early church, we see this put to a task, and you're going to see more of this happen in our country as we're going to have to stand for Christ, beginning in verse 13. And when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. 
But since they could not see the man who had been healed standing there with them, since they could see the man, there was nothing they could see. In other words, this man was totally healed. It wasn't a false. He was there. They knew all. They had passed through the temple all their lives. They knew this man couldn't walk. Here he is. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin, and they conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everybody living in Jerusalem knows they have done an outstanding miracle. We cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn these men to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we, here's his answer, cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. You see, Peter and John were setting the stage for the early church. They were going to be God-pleasers. They would eventually die for being a God-pleaser. I want to challenge you tonight. Are you a God-pleaser? Or are you a man-pleaser? You see, when we stand on Judgment Day, we're not going to stand before man. We're going to stand before God. Now, He is a gracious God. But as we stand before Him, what a joy to know that our goal, as Paul has said in 2 Corinthians, is to please Him. There's an area in your life tonight where you know you're pleasing man rather than God. Ask God to get you back to pleasing, to pleasing Him. I love what Peter and Justin, for we cannot help speaking. You see, it was so alive in them. They were not going to shut up. They were going to share the good news. And I know that's how you feel tonight. Let's be God pleasers. Back to Second Chronicles. That was verse number one. He walked in the ways of the king of Israel. You would think that would be a good sign, but that's not a good sign because, as you know, Israel was separated from Judah now. Israel was totally ungodly as a nation also. And not only did he do that, he also made cast idols for worshiping the balls. Verse 3. He burned sacrifices in the valley of Ben-Hinnom and sacrificed his sons in the fire, following the detestable ways of the nations the Lord had driven out before the Israelites. Now turn with me to Leviticus. Just keep your finger there. I want you to see why this king of Judah knew this was wrong, and yet he disobeyed God. Molech was a god of the Ammonites. He was a pagan god, a national god. And it was to this god, the god of Molech, Leviticus 18.21, it was this god that the Ammonites would sacrifice their children to, to please him. God knew this, and so he gives early on a commandment in the book of Leviticus to the children of Israel. Look what it says in verse 21. Do not give any of your children 
to be sacrificed to Moloch. For you must not profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. So God had known that these Ammonites had this common practice in this pagan society to offer infant sacrifices to this pagan god Moloch. What they would do in those days is they would heat this little iron god up that was made in the replica of an ugly pagan god until that iron was red hot and then they would place their babies to burn to death instantly on that god. After the baby died, we know this from history, they would take the ashes, put it in a jar, and place it in different areas of their life, hoping for a blessing from their pagan god. If you had built a new house and you wanted Molech's blessing, you would offer one of your babies as a burnt offering, take the ashes, and put it inside the wall, one of the walls of your house, blessing your house forever. They have found these jars, actual jars, in archaeological digs. Now, sin will take you farther than you ever wanted to go. Can you imagine anybody in their right mind that would offer their child in that way? I mean, that, it's incomprehensible to us. But that's sin. Here, the king of Judah does the same thing. Incomprehensible for us. Following the pagans, going so far. There is a corollary to this today in our world. It's called abortion. Very similar to we offer, many of the people of the world offer to their god of pleasure, their god of irresponsibility, their children to be aborted. Of course, we have all of those kind of things, and we know that's not a godly thing, but we're aghast at this. They would probably be aghast at watching a baby uh, salinized or pulled out uh, of, a, of a womb at that age. Now, notice where this was done. This kind of gives you a picture of how things are going to be in the end. This was done in the Valley of Ben-Hinnon. That was a valley in those times dedicated to the pagan god Baal. Later, King Josiah desecrated this valley and changed the name to the valley that we're familiar with, Gehenna. There was kind of the garbage dump of Jerusalem. Fires would burn there night and day, and eventually that's the area that the Greeks changed the name from Gehenna to the name that we know today as hell, the burning fires. When you think about that, when you think that's happening there, there is a real place tonight called hell. It's not in Jerusalem. It's not there. But there is a real place tonight, and we need to understand that. Let's go back to verse 4, 2 Chronicles. He not only did that, he offered sacrifice and burn incense at the high places, on the hilltops, and under every spreading tree. So we find a king that should have been honoring Jehovah, but he's imitating all of these practices. Therefore, the Lord, his God, handed him over to the king of Aram, or Syria. The Arameans defeated him and took many of his people as prisoners and brought them to Damascus. He was also given into the hands of the king of Israel, who inflicted heavy casualties on him. In one day, Pekah, 
son of Remaliah, killed 120,000 soldiers in Judah because Judah had forsaken the Lord, the God of their fathers. Zikri, a warrior, killed Manasseh, the king's son, Ezrakim, the officer in charge of the palace, and Elkanah, second to the king. And look what happens in verse 8 to the women and the children. The Israelites took captive from their kinsmen 200,000 wives, sons, and daughters. They also took a great deal of plunder, which they carried back to Samaria. Verse 9, But a prophet of the Lord named Oded was there. And he went out to meet the army when it returned to Samaria. They were coming back with these 200,000 women and children and all the spoils. As they were coming back, look what the prophet says. Because the Lord, the God of your fathers, was angry with Judah, he gave them into your hand. In other words, he allowed you to defeat them. You were to defeat them in their country and then leave them alone. The defeat was enough. Notice what he says. But you have slaughtered them in a rage that reaches heaven. In other words, they probably went over what they needed to do to win the victory. In verse 10, And now, on top of this, in addition to this, you intend to make the men and women of Judah and Jerusalem your slaves. But aren't you also guilty of sins against the Lord your God? This is really neat, and I, I think it's exciting for us to see that. Just look back at verse 9. Often we read Scripture and we just go, wow, this is pretty cool, whatever. There's nothing in that verse for me. Look at this. But a prophet of the Lord named Oded was there. He just happened to be there, wherever there was, at the exact time this army came back. He was just there. Nothing ever happens in our life by accident. I want you to see this statement. There's another one coming. As a Christian, nothing just, what? Happens. happens. Don't you think about that for a moment. As a Christian... Nothing just happens. You see, this prophet was evidently told by God, go here at this time. He got to where he needed to be. And as he was there, here come the people. So he says to them, you've, you've gone beyond what God wanted. But I want to remind you tonight, in your life, in my life, that's a really reassuring thing that Notice, as a Christian, nothing is happening in your life by accident. The people that come into your life, the circumstances, good and difficult, they're there for a reason. Why? Because God is wanting, His goal is to work all things together for, say it with a little excitement, for good, for good. Now, sometimes it isn't good for us, but he'll work it out and make it good in the long run. Maybe you're in that place tonight and say, well, not much good is happening. Just hold on. Do you know that God is always working behind the scenes? He's not worried at all. He's got it all orchestrated. Some of you are here tonight and you're single. You're thinking, okay, will something just happen? Forget that by accident. Will it just happen? It'll happen. Relax. God is working behind the scenes. 
He's orchestrating in all of our lives tonight. He's a good God. So God sends this prophet to warn Israel that they'd gone too far. They went beyond God's instructions. In fact, they were going now against the word of God. You don't need to turn back because you've already been there to Leviticus, but if you write it down, you can look it up later. Leviticus 25, verse 42 and 43. Look at what Israel was told earlier. Because the Israelites are my servants whom I brought out of Egypt, they must not be sold as slaves. Do not rule over them ruthlessly, but fear your God. So instead of knowing that they couldn't bring back their own Jewish people back to Israel in the north and make them slaves, instead of knowing that God said don't do that, they went beyond it. They're going to do what they want to do. They had an evil heart. They were going to show more judgment on the people than God wanted. I think that's a very important point for us. Sometimes when, when we're confronted with an individual who's sinning, we definitely need to stand up for the word of God. And we need to say to them, here's what God's word says. But then we need to give them a chance to repent. And then we need to be graceful while they're working out in their lives. Aren't you glad that God gives you and I time to get it right? You see, we need to be very careful that we, we're not judgment people. God's the judge. You let him take care of it. Now, we have to stand for what's right. But we need to be more people of grace and mercy. That's what's shown to us every day, especially with new Christians. They don't get it yet. But we have to give them time to get it all together. These people knew they couldn't take their own people as slaves. They absolutely knew it. But the leadership went against it. So... When we see that, we have to give chance for people to change. And, of course, this is what's going to happen. God sees them doing it. Now, if God hadn't sent the prophet to them, what do you think would have happened to Israel? God might have turned the tables. So God is gracious to send a prophet that says one of these kind of things. Time out. Time out. You're going too far. Come on back. Notice, and you'll see something very important because they obey this prophet. It's awesome. Verse 11. Now listen to me. Send back your fellow countrymen you have taken as prisoners, for the Lord's fierce anger rests upon you. Then some of the leaders in Ephraim, and you can read their names, confronted those who were arriving from the war. So here's an important thing in verse 12. As you go verse by verse, it's important that you see what's there. Notice who's going to carry out obeying the command from the prophet. It's the leaders. That's what it should have done. It should come from the leadership. Notice these leaders go to these individuals coming back, and here's what they say in verse 13. You must not bring those prisoners here, or we will be guilty before the Lord. Do you intend to add to our sin and guilt? For our guilt is already great, and his fierce anger rests on Israel. So the soldiers notice, did exactly what was right. They obeyed the leadership in this case. Good job. So the soldiers gave up the prisoners and the plunder in the presence of the officials and all the assembly. In other words, they obeyed the warning from God through the prophet. Now the men, designated by name, took the prisoners and from the plunder, in other words, all the stuff they had brought, they clothed all who were naked. 
So notice how much difficulty, not only did they bring them back and steal all this stuff, but many of these people had no clothes on their back. They provided them with clothes and sandals, food and drink, and of course, healing balm. All those who were weak, they put on donkeys. So they took them back to their fellow countrymen at Jericho, by the way, which is a beautiful city, the city of Palms, and returned to Samaria. What you see in those verses, as you just look at verses 14 and 15, is the power of God's word. You see, God doesn't give us his word just to say, well, hello, I'm the prophet, and uh, you can't take those people. See ya. He does it so we will absolutely obey what he tells us to do. And that is the power of the word of God. They knew that God was angry. They knew now it wasn't the right thing to do, so they absolutely obeyed. When we teach the Word of God, when any pastor, when any small group leader, whatever, teaches the Word of God, that's the reason we're here. We're here to listen to His Word and then to do right. Well, I have a need. Shouldn't be ashamed. I have a need. I need wisdom. Let's raise your hand. Let's pray. Accept that answer from God. That was God's Word. He's speaking to us. If you lack wisdom, He says, ask for it. You need wisdom? Thank God you've already done that. As you go home tonight, you lay your head on the pillow. Thank you, God, for your word. It's true. It's powerful. It will come to pass. I will receive what I need to know. Believe it. It's God's word. And that's what's supposed to happen, and that's what happened here. The power of God. It's not the power of our voice. It's the power of God's word. When you leave here tonight, some things you're going to learn. One is to be a God pleaser. Absolutely. And second, you'll know that you will worship someone or something. So they even do more than's really needed. They clothe them, they put them back, they give them transportation, they send them back to their land. Now, verse 16 through 21 kind of gives another battle. You, You would think that King Ahaz, after he's defeated, would go, Okay, God. I can see now, lost 120,000 men, 200,000 of the women, children were gone, they're coming back now, I'm going back to you. But no, at that time King Ahaz sent to the king of Assyria for help. The Edomites had come and again and attacked Judah and carried away the prisoners while the Philistines had raided the towns in the foothills and the Negev of Judah. They captured and occupied these cities with the surrounding villages. And the Lord humbled Judah again now in verse 19, why? Because of Ahaz, king of Israel, for he had promoted wickedness in Judah and had been most unfaithful to the Lord. So what happened? Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria, came to him, but he gave him trouble instead of help. In other words, he called him to help him, but this guy took over. Ahaz had to go so far, in verse 21, that he took some of the things of the temple of the Lord from the royal palaces and from the princes and presented them to the king of Assyria, but that did not help. In other words, the guy he called on to help turned around and took him over. So now he's giving him things, gold. Well, that's please you. No, that's not enough. And it just gets worse and worse. Verse 22 is a a very important verse for us. What happens when we're in trouble? In the time of trouble, King Ahaz became even more unfaithful to the Lord. Now, in the time of trouble, we want to do exactly the opposite. We want to come to God. We want to say, help! In today's teaching, we heard how sin can take a person to the darkest places. Ahaz not only worshipped the idols of Baal, he even went as far as sacrificing his own sons in the fire to Moloch. 
While we may find it abhorrent that anyone could burn a child alive, the world we live in commits equally depraved acts. When the prophet came to chastise the king, Pastor Mark reminded us that nothing is coincidence in the lives of Christians. When Ahaz experienced a time of trouble, instead of repenting, he became more unfaithful. We see that today, as people drift away from God so they can continue in sin. Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. The messages that you hear each day here on Lessons for Living were produced from messages that Pastor Mark shared at the main campus in Melbourne. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. We want to take this time to invite you to join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866 866- Seven seven nine three four four one. That's eight six six seven seven nine three four four one. Or log on to lessonsforlivingradio.com and follow the link to the church website. Now, the next time you join us here on Lessons for Living, a new king will reign in Judah and begin to put things back in order to make things right with the Lord. Hezekiah will set an example for the people when the nation had experienced such darkness and degradation. Pastor Mark will encourage us to take heart when repenting of our own sin, to remember that it's never too late to make things right. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Ballmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right.